Hello everybody, welcome to the Drum Network podcast. I'm the editor of the Drum Network, Chris Sutcliffe. The last episode that you heard gave us a really good grounding in the whys and wherefores of influence marketing, both where it's come from and where it's going to go. But as a result of that podcast, we had many questions about the realities of actually engaging with influencers, the practical concerns that go into dealing with influencers, making sure that both brand and influencer are on the same page, and crucially, making sure that they don't dilute their appeal by being less than authentic when they deal with brands. So to answer those questions, we got in touch with Emma Williams from Space and Time to give us a practical how-to guide to dealing with influencers. I began by asking Emma to introduce herself. Sure, so I am Emma Williams. I'm an account director at Space and Time. Uh, Space and Time is an independent full service media agency and we have offices in five locations across the UK. So London, which is where I'm based, um, along with Manchester, Edinburgh, Rygate and Bournemouth as well. Fantastic. And so thanks for very much for coming on to talk to us about sort of the, the do's and don'ts, the best practices for working with influencers. Uh, I wondered if we could begin by addressing something that came up in the previous podcast we did on influencers, which is that it's best to approach them as partners in the creative process. So I wondered how, what's your sort of best practice ideas for how you can actually go about doing that? Yeah, sure. Um, so I guess that's always going to be the aim, right? That you want those influencers, that talent to be kind of part of the brand and kind of mm-hmm be advocates uh, for your product or for your experience whatever it is that you want to promote um, and I think before you even get into you know how do you kind of engage them what's the best process there are definitely some things that you need to kind of tee up up front kind of before you even get in to that level of detail um, and the first thing I kind of always tell people is around education specifically mm. education of the client um, and that can often be like quite a difficult thing depending depending on who you're working with. Um, But I think, you know, they're so used to running social campaigns and seeing Facebook results and they think of influencers as part of that world, but actually it's something completely different. Um, Mm. And I think some of the the kind of complications I've come up with before um, have been around, you know, encouraging clients to kind of let go of the reins a little bit to allow kind of those influencers and that talent to come up with ideas and to look at the brand in a different way and kind of share some insight because they know their audience and they know what gets a reaction and what gets an engagement yeah. uh, in a way that we don't that's why we we want to work with them oh uh, god that, that must be such a hard sell though to, to those brands Oh, absolutely. Um, But I think if you get that education right and you show kind of the value of what that kind of partnership can give, um, you're kind of, you're off on the right foot. So I suppose then, how do you go about providing that education? Is it as, you know, simple as pointing to past case studies? Or is it almost, you know, do you have to introduce them to to the influencer? How do you go about doing that? I think it's it starts from a basic conversation um, and just trying to kind of explain to them how it fits within the wider ecosystem. Um, I think it's something that I know at Space and Time I'm quite lucky because we're we're independent and we have sight of kind of all of the activity our clients are doing. We can work with the creative agencies and the PR agencies to mm. see where this would fit and what it could kind of bring in terms of benefits uh, to the client's brand in a way that sometimes you don't always get that full visibility. Yeah. Um, so 
So that's kind of, you know, really, really important uh, for me and, and kind of when I'm kind of putting influencers forward, it's it's making sure that it is it is right to do so um, from the kind of from the front. And so from a from a client perspective, then, do you find that people are more aware now of the benefits of influence marketing than they were? Or is it still is that educational aspect always going to be a big part of it? Um, I think they are well aware of the benefits of influencers and I think now as well, you know, they're so used to seeing their competition using them and other mm. kind of taking advantage of that landscape um, that there's a bit of a, you know, oh, I want to to get in on that um, so that they are kind of well versed in, in what's what's out there. But often what you'll find is when you get down to it and when you're looking at the reports, they're kind of holding it up alongside what they're running on kind of paid Facebook or Instagram or what have you. Yeah. Saying, oh, it, you know, it, it doesn't quite add up, does it? It's uh, <laughs> it's cheaper, the CPN's cheaper over here. And it's like, well, it is, but it's, <laughs> it's doing something completely different. It's a different part of the funnel and it's, you know, doing something different for your brand. Yeah, that's interesting. The, the the idea that it's almost directly comparable in the client's mind, when obviously the, I suppose that the great strength of influence marketing is that it can act as you know not just the start of a funnel, but almost as PR, almost as you know really good re- creating really good relationships with audiences through the use of it. Yeah, absolutely, um, and it needs to kind of. I think the best influencer campaigns are the ones that go after that kind of warm fuzzy feeling that. They are brands that really enable um, an influencer or you know somebody to to create something exciting for their audience. They are facilitating that relationship. Um, sometimes you know if brands are too prescriptive, or if they you know struggle to um, kind of hand over that creativity, um, you'll end up with an influencer campaign that could pass as your paid um, creative campaign. Mm. But actually, you don't want it to look the same. You want it to be a bit different. Um, and it's quite a fun and exciting kind of space. Uh, I think we've seen, especially during lockdown, um, the the strength of influencers and how they kind of communicate and how they create um, those communities um, with their kind of fan base and with their audiences. Um, and that's just such an incredible thing to be able to kind of get in on. Yeah, that's really interesting. We haven't heard that yet. I wondered, do you think that that kind of the habit of of engaging with influencers then from an audience perspective is is going to outlast lockdown is that now sort of a new potential audience for people um i i mean there's there's so much out there at the moment in terms of what's happening in the press you know half yeah. are saying that influencers are kind of the next big thing half of them are saying that influencer marketing is dead <laughs> um i i think it will morph and change but it, in essence it's the oldest type of advertising right mm. it's word of mouth um, and, you know, so many people, I think, what is it, 96% of people say they don't trust influencers. So they don't trust most influencers, but everybody has a few that they really like and that they really, you know, do believe in and that they do check their stories and see what they're up to or what they're kind of talking about or what products they're using. Um, so I don't think it'll ever completely go. I think that's just kind of part of our nature. We're always looking for that community. Um, and I hope that if, you know, we take anything from lockdown, um, it's that that kind of that community that we've been able to kind of virtually create is such a powerful thing and such a lovely thing. Um, so I, I can't imagine that it will it will disappear overnight. 
influencer marketing has existed before influencer marketing was a term, even before it kind of crystallized into what we see now. And like I said, I know that there are a couple of people who I who I trust and who I have that kind of parasocial relationship with who I don't think they'd even consider themselves to be influencers. Exactly. And that's why it's so important when you're kind of starting a campaign like this, that you are looking at the audience that you want to engage with and, and getting that choice of talent right. Um, because I'm, I'm pretty sure for any brand out there, there is a niche kind of community online that you can tap into. It's just finding them and kind of making sure that you're getting that kind of relationship and that partnership correct from the off. Well, now that, now that we've almost set the scene for how you should go about you know, introducing clients to influencers, when you're actually in the middle of a campaign, what's the best way to actually create that feedback loop for influencers to sort of say, well, look, we think this is working, we think this is this could be better, when after all, it's almost their expertise, which is why you've gone to them in the first place. Yeah, um, and I think there's a couple of things here. Firstly, I think even going back before the campaign starts, the other thing that's really important is making sure that your brief is right. And that's always always met with a bit of a, you know, oh, that's such a boring answer. <laughs> um, but genuinely, and, and from kind of running lots of campaigns, that is the bit that if you get that right, that will make everything so much easier. Because within that brief, you will have all the terms, everything that you kind of need, both from a creative perspective, what you're expecting from them, but also, you know, what's required for that feedback, how often you should be getting that feedback, how long the turnarounds should be. Um, and if you've got the education piece done as well, your clients are kind of really bought into it and kind of will be able to engage um, in a more meaningful way. Um, I think just regular communication is so important. Um, people often look at the kind of end result of an influencer marketing campaign. They see, you know, a post on Instagram and they're like, oh, you know, it's quite straightforward, <laughs> nice and neat. The amount yeah. of admin and hours that goes into getting a campaign like that to the end state, you know, th there's so much to do. Um, so making sure you've got those kind of lines of communication open at all times is really important. And it also depends what kind of campaign you're running. So sometimes you might be working with a handful of influencers, you might be engaging with them through PR agency. It's a lot more of a kind of a natural, um, organic approach, but on you know, multiple other cases, you could be working with influencers through an agency or an NCN. And if that yeah. is, you know, it could be a huge volume and you've also got this other third party to consider. So again, the communication becomes even more important when you've got so many kind of multiple people feeding in. I was going to say, how, how much of this is the creation of a new type of feedback loop and how much of it can be sort of uh, ported across from the existing relationships that, that clients will have with agencies? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it, it, it's, it's more or less the same as how any feedback loop should work. Mm. Um, if you kind of go back to basics, what you want to do is just make sure that you're all singing from the same hymn sheet that you're mm -hmm. all kind of invested in the same outcome. Um, and I think a lot of that comes with um, also acknowledging that feedback has to work both ways, uh, that it has to be there, it has to be an open space where you can kind of talk about the positive, but also the negative. 
Um, often what I find is, you know, influencers only want to tell you about the good stuff. Mm. Sometimes it's hearing about maybe the negative comment that they got that will feed into, you know, your future strategy. Um, and also, I think it's, it's really important if you can um, to get that kind of feedback loop started earlier. So nearly around kind of the time of creating the brief, if you're mm. able to talk to those influencers and kind of ask them what does work, you know, what kind of creative, what kind of message does your audience tend to respond to, um, you know, and feeding that into the initial brief upfront is, is quite a powerful thing because not only are you going to kind of get more learnings for yourself that can impact, you know, across your, your business, um, but you're also showing those influencers the, the value that they can bring um, and, you know, helping to motivate them and get them invested in what they're doing and what hopefully you're kind of going to do together. See, I think that's really interesting. Too often, I think that at least for the drum network side of it, we hear of we hear too many of those kind of the, the horror stories over you know pints with people who work with influencers of the times when the clients have just basically handed off a brief and said you know create you know create what you want and then after the fact we'll talk about feedback. It sounds like you're advocating that that really needs to begin right from the off, like almost before the creative is even in mind. Yeah, if and obviously this is. There's always going to be cases where things are down to the wire. There's been campaigns where you're not 100% sure who your talent will be until mm. before and you're able to kind of nail it down. I completely kind of understand um, the, the trials and tribulations that come with campaigns like this. But I think to get the absolute most out of it, um, it's, yeah, bringing that engagement in further and kind of acknowledging that you are all, you're all kind of independent business people. You all have... An, an aim and an outcome that you want to to do um and it's yeah how do you work together and get the most out of it for everybody so i think you've touched upon it a little bit there but what would what do brands and agencies need to do need to avoid doing rather when they are providing feedback to an influencer um i suppose that it's a lot of the people won't necessarily have it the influencers won't necessarily be media trained they won't have the the experience to understand what they're being uh, asked to provide of you know when it's when they're in that kind of feedback loop yeah absolutely and there's again two ways of looking at this so there is kind of what not to do from an agency perspective so from from my point of view as kind of i guess the facilitator of everything kind of a bit of a project manager um your role really has to be to translate um to take what the kind of influencer or the the talent is, is giving you um or saying to you and making sure that the client understands that properly and vice versa, making sure the client's feedback is kind of filtered to a degree and the language is right and that the influencer can take that constructively. Um, mm. I think, you know, it, it can be really easy to fall into the traps of just forwarding feedback around and you just become a bit of a paper pusher, but <laughs> you have to be really invested in, in what's happening um, and kind of don't underestimate um, the, the power of kind of your presence within that relationship. And then from a client's perspective and a brand's perspective, I think the one thing I would say, you know, don't do is don't just turn around and say, I don't like it. Um, I think that's How the line. How often does that happen? That, that sounds so cruel. <laughs> um, do you know, often it's, it's a gut reaction. You'll be talking to them. They'll just say, I, I, you know, I just, I don't, I don't like it. I don't like what they've done. I don't. Oh my God. And there isn't necessarily kind of, 
any reason behind it. And that's problematic because feedback needs to be constructive. You can't just say, oh, you know, not keen on that. Um, you have to kind of work with them to, to make it into what you need it to be. Um, and often, you know, if, if you've got the brief right at the very beginning and you've had those conversations, that doesn't tend to happen. That doesn't tend mm. to come up. Um, but when it does, I think uh, you kind of have to be able to step in and, and challenge that perspective, um, you know, nine times out of 10, you know, is, is, is that person actually the target audience? Will the creative need to resonate with them? Um, I think as well, if you've got that brief to fall back on, you'll make sure that kind of all the brand requirements are ticked mm. um, and that can, you know, stop a, a certain number of, of problems as you get down the line. Um, but yeah, it's, it's how do you turn that into something constructive? Um, and also, again, it goes back to this idea, you know, you've got to be able to let go of the reins. It's not going to look like your other activity. It's not going to look like your kind of TV ad. Um, this is is something different and you've you've got to kind of invest the, the time and know that the influencers that you're working with are the right ones for you. And therefore, they should know um, what's going to resonate best. Yeah, I suppose it goes back to what you're saying about it being almost educational. You know, the idea that you have to say, well, you do have to kind of relinquish a little bit of control if you want to appeal to this audience. It's not yeah. just uh, any brand that sort of says, well, I only want, you know, I want my consumer to be me and only me. That's sort of, that, that must just be a losing strategy, you know, regardless of the vertical, regardless of the sector. Exactly. Um, but I do think, you know, it's it's such a powerful medium. Um, and... God, where was it? I think it was in Finland, uh, influencers were deemed as key workers. Oh, really? Yeah, purely because they had such a, a strong relationship with their audiences that hmm. the prime minister over there saw that as, as a, you know, a, a communication channel that they needed to be able to tap into in order to make sure that everybody within the country understood what was happening throughout kind of coronavirus. That is absolutely fascinating. That within itself just just says so much about yeah. what can be done and the, the power that that channel can actually have. I mean that's that's putting the influences up on kind of the the pedestal with with newspapers as being kind of these disseminators of trusted information as well. So small wonder then that brands and, and clients should really want to be using them because they have that expertise for how to communicate to an audience that they won't necessarily have. Exactly. And that's, I mean, that's the magic, right? That's what we want to want to tap into. Um, so I think, yeah, getting getting that trust between all parties um, just just makes it work. So when you are bringing influencers in right from the start or re-engaging them even for a, for a repeat campaign, what is what does it look like to actually get them involved in that planning process? Is it physically getting them around a table? Is it you know setting up regular calls between client and the influencer themselves? What does that really look like? The the key thing is whatever comes as possible, do that. Mm. If it makes sense to have people around the table, get them around the table. Um, but again, as I said, depending on the type of campaign you're doing, you might have a huge volume to work with. The relationship might be more with the kind of influencers agency. Um, in that case, it might be a call, but making it regular, making it kind of normal to have that communication, I think is really important. Um, if you kind of leave it and make it more of an ad hoc thing, often stuff that might come up or might get said anecdotally just won't um, because that kind of gets filtered out. 
Um, so it's that regular kind of communication, that kind of constant, nearly weekly check-in during campaigns that's really going to kind of change things. And is there, an, is there a way of managing that relationship to ensure that it doesn't become too formal, that they don't then start adhering to what the clients expect marketing should look like? Um, I think that's, you know, it's, it's just really, really important that when you're writing that brief, you are kind of signaling to them and telling them, you know, the reason that you are part of this is because we love what you do and we know that you love your audience mm. um, and giving them the green light. I think a lot of the time they might, you know, it, it, it's, it's a business, you know, it, it's their income. They want to, to please that brand. Um, so I think it, the onus is on the brand to say, you know, go for it. Okay, that's interesting. That sounds like where that's where the agency comes in. That's where there's that exactly. kind of facilitation aspect to it. Yeah, exactly. It's an element of handholding in there, I think. Um, <laughs> but if you can kind of get everybody on board with that concept, um, I mean, the sky's the limit, really. You can get some really amazing um, content out of it. I remember working on a brief and uh, one of the videos, a, a YouTube video that was created, the brand just wasn't sold on it because mm. it was it was quite out of their comfort zone it was slightly kind of slightly different audience but the, the audience was right but the kind of influencer was slightly different to who they'd normally use um and created kind of quite wacky videos and it was ended up being the most successful piece of content that we ran that must be so, so that must feel pure so Oh yeah, it was it was great to, to kind of have that validation, but to to really see what happens when you kind of trust in the process and see kind of if you let an influencer run with it and if you kind of let them speak to their audience in the right way, what you can get um, is just really really strong. Um, and it was really interesting with it within that video. I think he called out and he said, you know, thank you to the brand who have basically, you know, paid me to make this. Isn't that amazing that, you know, I get to make this content for you thanks to them. And at the time they were like, oh, is that, is that weird? You know, that we're calling it out. And I was like, you know, pe people know it's an ad. Yeah. Um, and he's being completely upfront with his audience and they were really receptive to that. I like the idea that the audience responds to that authenticity in a very tangible way. We hear about it, you know, the value of authenticity for influencer marketing, but to actually know that the audience appreciates it as well as it being a kind of a, a buzzword is actually really, that feels like validation for the industry. Yeah, I think more and more we're seeing kind of influencer marketing um, in mainstream media. Um, it's something that even my dad, I think, knows the term. He's still not quite sure exactly <laughs> what it is. But, you know, it, it's become part of, of normal language. Um, so to kind of treat them as if they won't know it's an ad is, is silly. Um, they will kind of have more respect for you and your brand if you are kind of really upfront and honest about it. Mm. And then as a, as a penultimate question, I realize this is actually quite unfair because we've covered so much ground in the chat, but what would be the kind of the biggest one or two pieces of advice you would have for, for clients who are looking to start working with influencers? Oh, that is a big question. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I, um, I feel, I feel how do I condense? Okay, the, I think the biggest thing that you should definitely do is think about the brief and get it right. 
um, make sure that you are kind of including all the right information and just being really clear on what you actually want to, to get out of this. Um, and then the biggest thing to not do is um, I think to be over prescriptive or kind of over controlling about the output because um, actually when you do loosen those reins that's when you start to see kind of the more creative more interesting things come to the fore and then as a as a very final question where can our audience find you where can they find you where can they find space and time Yep, they can find me on LinkedIn, so Emma Williams at Space and Time, um, or online you can find us at www.spaceandtime.co.uk. 